extra, 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 welcome to Revolutionary Podcast Utena, where one kind of expert and one total newbie watch Revolutionary Girl Utena and talk about it for your enjoyment. I'm Randy. Go guy, go guy, go guy. <laughs> I'm you have Jared. a name, though. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jared. <laughs> Great. Well, Jared, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, what's new with you? Uh, let's see. Lot, you know, a lot of homeownership fun things. Um, mm. Not a lot of enjoyment of uh, the good old Nintendo Switch or uh, watching too much anime. Got together with some friends, hosted a get-together to watch Tokyo Godfathers. And Excellent choice. Yes, bought, uh, we brought two bottles of sake for that. Um, <laughs> it was very fitting, you know, as a Christmas movie. So, of course. Uh, um, that's what I've been up to. What have you been up to? Oh, watching other Christmas movies, making sure I'm all caught up on all the Spider-Man movies before No Way Home comes out this Friday. And I... I got addicted to something, Jared. I, I started playing Final Fantasy XIV. Oh. Yeah, the critically acclaimed MMORPG that allows you to play for free up to level 60, including the Heavensward expansion. Um, which Here is I the thought meme you were addicted around. to the ending theme of the anime series we've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you texted me today asking if I'm excited to watch Utena, and I said, well, I've been listening to the ending theme on loop for the last couple hours, so yes. Yes. <laughs> Which is a thing that I do because I'm an insane person. Um, hey. It helps me get excited. Hey, some people listen to that on loop. Others, like me, listen to Wham's Last Christmas on loop. So <laughs> good old times. Oh, yes. Uh, but like you said, we are here to watch and talk about Utena, what this show is about. We're going to be going through the whole series and film. So we won't be talking about spoilers ahead of where we're at, but uh, we will be talking about spoilers for the episodes and things that we have watched. Um, if you'd like to watch it with us, and I highly recommend you do, you can find it all on Nozomi Entertainment's YouTube channel, except for the movie, uh, which is also the same uh, on Funimation Now and Crunchyroll. Um, otherwise, if you want to own it and also be able to see the film, you can pick up the Blu-rays and DVDs released by Nozomi Entertainment on Right Stuff, Amazon, or wherever else you buy your anime. Um, and we actually got to use the YouTube channel one because the Blu-rays that I ripped, I accidentally ripped two versions of episode 20. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have episode 19, so we had to go jump on YouTube to watch those together. And that was an interesting experience because the quality was a bit different. It's got the big <laughs> Nozomi like, watermark on it, too. Mm -hmm. um, but At least it was there for us in a pinch. Yes, it was. It was awesome. Uh, so we're going to jump in first here. We're doing four episodes this time around because normally we try to do three, but episode three was the first of a two-parter. So let's start with episode 17, Thorns of Death, which originally aired July 23rd, 1997. Jared, what was this episode about? It was about Shiori, the catalyst for Jury's broken state of mind, transfers back into Otori school. The two of them have a tumultuous love-hate relationship. And Shiori finds out that the real reason why she can make Jury suffer. Both elated and traumatized by this revelation, Shiori pays a visit to Mikage, who exploits her deep-seated insecurities. Ooh. So, to know who was behind this episode that we enjoyed, uh, it was storyboarded by Jun Matsumoto, who worked on things like Blood Plus, the Digimon movies, some Dragon Ball Z movies, and Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. It was directed by Katsushi Sakurabi, who worked on things like Aori Aoshi, The Appleseed Ova, 
a certain magical index excel saga and is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon written by uh, this is somebody who i don't think has shown up yet uh on the written by section uh ryoe tsukimura uh, who worked on blue seed el hazard the ovas and tv series tenshi muyo movie one as well as tenshi universe and a series called into the erogenous zone lion <laughs> flare nice <laughs> <laughs> I had to include that one in the list because it was just too good. <laughs> oh, are you away? Oh, man. Oh, animation supervisor by Hisashi Kagawa, who worked on Sailor Moon, Chrono Crusade, Code Geass, uh, Dragon Ball Super, Love Hina, and Pokemon. Are we? Are you ready for the always fun uh, Ikuhara director commentary? I am. I was waiting for this for some of these episodes because it, it seems <laughs> like the commentary is always about... I know it's about the episode, but it's usually about like the you know like the puppetry scenes that we still see, <laughs> and right. I feel like it's related to that somehow. And I just have no clue what some of these had to do with these episodes. So hopefully this yeah. will tie it all in. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Ikuhara says, "I finally realized the truth. To think that she loved me back. What a miracle! But the loser in love is the one who lets their heart be ruled by it." Everyone's adopted a provocative attitude towards someone of the opposite sex that they like at least once or twice to get that person to notice them. So it's okay if I do that. This love will crumble if we touch, but when people don't touch, the love eventually dies away. That's why I decided to keep your love prisoner, to make sure that you love me forever. (laughs) That game will make our love eternal. I'm sure of it. We were lovers lost from the beginning. Lovers Lost from the Beginning is a reference to a film that has never been released in the U.S., a film made in 1971, entitled... This one is tough, because I... I'm not... Rakajime Taita Oh, no! <laughs> you were doing Koibi so good. yo. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> Let me try. I want to try. Arakajime Ushinawaratate Koibi yo. Nice. I think I think we both did a really good job there. I believe I had looked up what this the translation of that was, and then uh, I didn't write it down like a dum dum. Well, while you're looking into that, I think this it's guy lost got... lovers from 1971. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I was too fast. We should Lost lovers. It's like lost in translation. Is that all? Is that all he said? Yeah, that's all. Uh, well, I think this guy, I think the director has got some uh, issues <laughs> to work out from. <laughs> you think? This love will crumble if we touch, but when people don't touch, the love eventually dies away. Oh, man. Keeping love prisoner, huh? Mm, it's not a healthy relationship. Uh, much like Jury and Shiori, am I right? Oh, yes. To- totally. Um, this episode was... I remember we were watching this episode and I asked you, like, hold on a second. What's the true motive? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, yeah, it was easy enough to follow, but it was hard to kind of tell some of the character motivation. And then, like, even, like, reading this director's commentary, it's still, like, uh, I'm still piecing it together. So, you'll have to piece it together for me as we, sure. <laughs> as we continue so- to talk. <laughs> sure. So Shiori comes back to Otori Academy, uh, which was the girl that uh, Jury had a had a secret uh, crush on. So Shiori is returned, and she is set brings up things of their past, like oh that boy that I stole from you. Um, we broke up actually; it just didn't work out. You must hate me for doing that anyway. Um, and uh, Jury just kind of powers through it before she decides that um, Shiori is bad for her, so she's going to to 
try and get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Shiori happens to come into ownership of the locket that she had, which had her picture in it. So now she understands where Jury is coming from and that she actually had a crush on her. Shiori, being the wonderful woman that she is, who has always hated Jury out of jealousy because she was stronger and smarter and prettier, is like, okay, well, I can use this to prove her weakness because now I, I can hold this over her, and that makes me a better person because she has a weakness I can exploit and she doesn't have anything on me. Um, and she decides that she is going to uh, go through with the whole sem- the Black Rose seminar thing to kind of prove again that she is better than Jury and use her weakness as her weapon. It's just, it kind of boils down to Shiori's just a, a real piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, very, yeah. like, you know, manipulative of Jury, who's, you know, poor girl. <laughs> like, that's all I can say. If if that helps piece anything together. it's I feel like, yeah, it's not as super uh, stable ground for making a duel happen. I mean, like, oh, yeah, I'll try and kill Anthe for this dude. Yeah, a lot of these episodes try to simplify things, too. Like, I, I thought that Shiori would be, like, maybe possibly in love with with jury right but that's mm-hmm. that wouldn't have made sense like i mean it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked for the duel it wouldn't have worked for the character inspiration so mm-hmm. um, if if we're going back to that episode we saw a few episodes ago right where she was there to really like steal that guy away and she did it out of spite or she just did it as a cruel character and then comes back and sure like it's something to leverage over jury who's typically mm-hmm. like a pretty strong female character in this series yeah and still i think was strong throughout this episode uh, mostly i didn't really i feel like this it was uh kind of complex to follow i mean it made sense i was expecting a little more when it came to uh, Mm. like the character motivation but at the same time we did get some other things out of this episode we got to see some weird sensual soji licking his fingers Um, oh yes (laughs) licking mamiya's fingers mamiya's fingers sorry yes because uh, Mamiya pricked his finger on a thorn, right? On the um, black rose, yes. And that's when we learned, too, that, like, the color of the roses are typically the color of, like, the person from, like, the Student Academy, for example, right? Jury's mm-hmm. orange hair. Um, the rose is orange, but then it turns black. So we saw some, like, new imagery with that. Um, we also got, like, an interesting thing kind of spliced into all of this was that Athena is meeting up with Akio. Um, yes kind of like therapy sessions <laughs> they've it's sessions. like they've yeah it's like they've become friends outside of just tagging along with Anthe to visit her brother so now they have their own kind of interpersonal relationship where yeah right. utana goes to him for advice and things at least that's what we see of it yeah and i i wish i had more to say on the relationship between shuri and jury i I feel bad for Jury. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, I don't think it obviously went the way that she was planning. That you know, she already just comes back out of nowhere in the middle of the school year. Um, I don't really know if there was motivation for Jury to want to express those feelings. I mean, it was pretty clear. No, I mean, she said, "I'm not in love with that guy." So it doesn't matter to me what you did to him, right? So I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty solid. I'm like, oh, cool. She's keeping it to herself. She's not allowing herself to open up um, right. to this person. And then the situation forces that out in the open. So I wonder if it's, you know, besides her just being sort of a prideful person, um, Jury clearly um, is in love with another girl. Mm. Um, and I feel like Jury is very 
masculine coded she's tall she wears pants and she doesn't wear a skirt like the other girls uh in school or in or like nanami in the student council where maybe it's i'm not going to confess my love because that's a thing that you know girly girls do so she's hoping to keep this secret and wanting shiori to be the one to confess her love i'm not sure um just a random thought that i had that maybe that's part of it if I'm reading this again from the director commentary, that's why I decided to keep your love prisoner to make sure that you love me forever. That game will make our love eternal, I'm sure of it. I mean, that kind of explains Shuri's power over mm-hmm. Juri is, is keeping Juri like in control. So that kind of makes a little more sense now. Just trying yeah. to like piece it together. Yeah. So overall, I like the episode. I like Juri episodes because I think Juri is a, a really strong character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. she's she definitely feels the most mature out of everybody. So it's very neat to see uh, what's going on with her because, you know, it feels much more complex. Not that anything else with anybody else isn't. It's just that, I don't know, there's an extra layer to it. Being more adult, which kind of plays into our next episode, if you want to use that as a jumping off point. Uh, yeah. Unless you have more you want to say. Well, I just wanted to say that um, this is one of the episodes I've noticed where we're getting more quick endings where um there's like an expression of emotion with a character or like a a fleeting moment that passes by so like in this one while shuri lost the duel because yes there was obviously the duel um <laughs> it's pretty clear you know at jury and shuri they cross paths like you know at the school they're walking past each other and i can't quite remember the exact moment of what happened but you know jury still loves shuri in some way mm-hmm. um you can tell and so like well, they they both greet each other as they walk by but they don't do anything else and then our last shot is this lingering shot of jury sitting there with her hand on her heart either right. you know to hold the the locket if she got it back unknown or if it's just sort of you know shielding her heart from the from the horrible things that she's going through yeah she woke up um with that locket next to her if i remember that's correctly. right um but we're getting into these episodes where we're packing a lot in and then like right in the last moment, uh, there's usually some kind of like a, a feeling or an emotion that gets expressed that answers the question of like, well, yes, there's still feelings there or there's something there, whether it's like the love is lost and there's healing or if it's just like a lingering love. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. One one thing that... Um... And I've noticed with these episodes, you know, we have our, our Black Rose duelists who are usually somebody connected to a student council member, a uh, proper duelist. And of course, their stories weren't completely ended in the uh, student council art. Uh, mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, these things, we're seeing the, the relationship and their problems from a different perspective through the other person um, that they've been dealing with. But then things happen and then the they get the sword pulled out of them. And by the time they wake up, it's like they've all had some sort of emotional catharsis and they've had a transformation into the next step of their lives where... Sure. Um, yeah, jury is able to at least deal with um, her unrequited love that she's got for this horrible, terrible person. Miki is able to kind of... He's not obsessed with uh, his sister as much anymore, because before she, of course, was using uh, other boys to get his attention. Um, But I think that he's kind of like, let that go, and I can't remember exactly what Kozue is up to after all of that, but... Mm. Yeah, it just seems like it's it's an emotional catharsis moment for them to, to evolve to their next state almost like a pokemon um but yeah it's interesting yeah so we 
you know, we finish our jury episode, we go into episode 18. Yes, which is uh, Mitsuru's Growing Pains, which aired July 30th, 1997. Jared, do you mind letting us know what this episode was about? Oh, yeah, it's about Suabuki. I think I'm getting <laughs> it right now. Um, <laughs> Ele- so, elementary schooler Mitsuru is desperate to become an adult so that he may get close to Natami. His increasingly desperate attempts to enter the grown-up world of love and sexuality lead him to Mikage. Yes. Uh, again, the people behind this episode, storyboarded by Satoshi Nishimura, who worked on Trigun and Trigun Badlands Rubble, uh, Gungrave, so definitely likes working with uh, Yasuhiro Naito stuff, uh, Ark the Lad and Golden Kamui, directed by Yukio Okazaki, who also worked on Ark the Lad, uh, Beast Wars, um, Berserk, the 90s TV series, uh, Bleach, Shield 21, and Helsing Ultimate. Um, we're back to another old writer, Ryota Yamaguchi, who worked on Cowboy Bebop, Duel Masters, Metabots, One Piece, and You're Under Arrest. Um, with animation supervised by Akemi Hayashi, who worked on Slam Dunk, Roni Kenshin, and Excel Saga. Uh, and then we've got fun, fun director's commentary for our Tsuwabuki episode. This should be interesting. Says, <laughs> yes. Uh, when I was a kid, I really liked The Candies, a 70s pop idol group. When someone asked me, who's your favorite? I was seriously torn between Ron and Sue. When I was a kid, I really liked Pink Lady, too. Someone asked me, who's your favorite? I liked Mie, but for some reason I had the feeling that I shouldn't say that, so I fudged it and said, well, I don't really like one more than the other. The Candies got their big break with the song Toshishita no Otoko no Ko, Younger Boy. It was the song where girls sang about a younger boy. You drive me crazy, but I love you. That lyric made my heart go pitter-patter. It was just as if they were saying, I love you, to me. How delusional. Love and delusion are only separated by a very fine line. <laughs> See, that's a lot more simple to dissect than the episode we just watched. Um, <laughs> so it's like, the song made my heart feel pitter-patter, whereas before it was, love is eternal. I'm sure of it. <laughs> we were lovers lost from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And if we touch, it crumbles. But if we don't touch... Love eventually dies away. It's like this guy—he's got a lot to say about love, which I like. I oh, enjoy yeah. that. He—he must have had some serious relationships in the past. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, there are many times where I think, "Oh, Ikuhara, who hurt you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, this episode. Yeah, so like it starts off interestingly enough. You've got the student council meeting. I believe that was out in the rain and. Subuki actually goes up the elevator. He's like the first character yeah. we've seen go up there who's not supposed to, or or basically just it's always the student council. Um, mm-hmm. He gets called out on it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, he just is so into Nanami, he has to go up there. He's breaking so, all the rules to be yeah. there. Ah, oh, what a young boy breaking the rules. Yes. He made her fried chicken in this episode. Some karage. Oh, oh man. man, that lunch sounded so good. Have you ever had? Karage, like real Japanese fried chicken. Yes. Nice. It's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good, and it has like a different flavor than I'm used to, right? Mm-hmm. But when he's going to bring that food, the bento to Nanami, he finds her with Soji. <gasps> How could she, right? Exactly. Betrayal. Uh, yes. But all I, at the same time, I actually, I don't even think I put this in my notes. I, it's not in my notes at all. But there's that purple-haired girl. There's a new girl. <laughs> oh, right. We got her name like once, and I don't remember what it was. It's okay, because I have another line for this episode for Purple Boy, Mamiya. Um, but the <laughs> the purple girl, I, 
she she's just there to be like you know the same age uh as suibuki so she's a year older than him oh oh that that really sets the tone differently well that that's why he's upset because she's oh i'm so much more mature than you you're only a year older than me there's no difference uh well maybe there is (laughs) but no so yeah it's all about tsubuki really questioning what does it mean to be an adult so i actually wrote this down um where i wrote down the question what does it mean to be an adult so Mm. randy what do you think what is it what does it mean to be an adult uh to have a lot of responsibilities and instead of not doing them you do them because you have to okay well that's a good answer uh, if I had to answer, what does it mean to be an adult? I would say I will copy and paste what you said. And then I'll also <laughs> copy a bit of what um, I believe it was Utena said it. Uh, the experiences that people have. Various experiences. And it was it was kind of comical how she said it. Um, because obviously he takes it as like experiences. Oh, is this like sexuality? Is this like dating? Is this like, what is this? I haven't had any of these experiences. So that's like why he goes to a movie theater to watch probably like PG 13 movies. I don't know. A whole bunch of romance (laughs) stuff with people making out constantly. Oh my goodness. Black and white color. It was all over the place. (laughs) He'll take whatever he can get. The nasty boy. (laughs) Whatever's playing at the free theater at the school. (laughs) Yeah, I think that this, ep- I was hoping that in the director commentary that this episode would be more covering of like, what does it mean to be an adult and not mm-hmm. about like the love of like the younger boy for the older girl or the age difference love. Uh, I was hoping for something mysterious. <laughs> about what I mean, this- <laughs> a lot of the explorations are that feeling you have when you're a kid, especially around that age where you're like, I don't know. 10 to 12 where you know there's things you want to do that the older kids or the adults get to do but you're you can't because you're not old enough and wanting to grow up quick so you can be an adult it's it's the big the tom hanks big thing um (laughs) but the problem is that once you grow up you can't you can't go back to being a kid again no matter how much you surround yourself with uh anime merchandise and watch old tv shows on loop over and over again to try and rekindle those times Mm -hmm. um just uh just the musings of an old old man over here i mean it's not something that's very complex that you know can reveal a lot of mysteries because if you're watching this and you're the target demo for the show you went through that so it's not you're not learning anything new you're like yeah i did that yeah yeah and if anything just like with most series i mean you're going to connect to it somehow even if you didn't have like an exact feeling um Mm -hmm. an exact relation i mean uh, i would say that most people have had a crush of some sort um and they've been through love of some sort uh Mm -hmm. so there's definitely things to relate to. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I feel like uh, if I were to compare it to, let's say, episode 17, I think that like Jury's, you know, moments were more, I feel like the moments between Jury and Shuri were like more uh, intense because of like mm. the, the deeper love, you know, uh, whereas this is like your young love where it's almost like, you don't want to say that he's pathetic, but he's just, right. he's just so, yeah, he's young. He's immature. doesn't, know really what's going on and then unfortunately uh goes down the elevator of doom (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know if he should have gone down there but (laughs) nobody ever should (laughs) 
Stay uh, out of elevators, everybody. <laughs> it's not good for you. So, uh, yeah, he goes down the elevator and, you know, has a grand old time and then has a <laughs> duel with Utena and he loses. So that's, I yeah. I've, yeah. I want to ask you a question, and okay. I know that we've been we've been joking and lighthearted and things, but it's a it's a bit more of a of a heavy thing, I suppose. Okay. Sounds good. Um, this episode with uh, Swabuki wanting to become an adult, you know, he going by what Utena and Anthony had said that it's about you know uh, experiences with certain things, so mm-hmm. it's takes much more of a, a sexual turn of like, okay, well, I need to have these sexual experiences. That means that I'll be an adult and I'll be a man and I'll be grown up and I'll know all the things about the world and I can do all these things. Right. And we have um, his, you know, his affections for Nanami and the Nanami comes to him uh, and the movie theater. Um, and then in between movies changing, you know, he takes her hand. She's clearly not open to this sort of happening and then uh he takes the swords out of her yeah i feel like there's a lot of specifically in this episode but also in other ones um where these this forcible removing of these uh swords for the black rose duelists can have a very um sexual assault sort of vibe to them because it's generally two people that have um deep feelings for each other or perhaps just one side just like with jury and shiori um Mm -hmm. so there's there's that whole side to it that there's some romance or you know uh, attraction there um and how do how does that make you feel um for something like this episode or if you've gotten that vibe elsewhere i've gotten some of the vibe throughout this series uh, I don't have too many examples off the top of my head, but when we were talking about um, episode 17 with, with Soji looking fingers and it was pretty sensual, or you had the red-haired guy from Escaflone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alan Shazar. I mean Toga. Toga, Toga Kiryu. So, Toga, like, he, you know, he had some vibes, right? Um, mm-hmm. th- there's been vibes here, although specifically with these episodes what you're you're speaking of with the there has been a lot of like the forcing of the sword like it's been noticeable i definitely mm-hmm. notice what you're saying in these episodes and then also in the episodes we're going to talk about shortly um but yes there was like this very like this moment of they're kind of uh it, it's all it's unexpected it's out of nowhere and then the whatever this power is of like this black rose ring um that allows them to pull the the sword out of people out of their hearts like the manifestation like it sounds like it's painful too um right because usually they're (laughs) yelling in pain uh yeah and then they pull the sword out and then you know that person drops to the ground or passes out i mean they they wake up fine but Mm -hmm. it definitely is not warranted so yeah it, it is like almost like a form of assault for that um, it's definitely interesting that people are just taking what they want um, and using them. So, right, yes, yeah. It, uh, I think that it definitely makes you feel icky, um, which I think is the point <laughs> because these characters it's, are doing not great things to each other. So it's like it's, it's true. You know, it, it's not glorifying it at all, of course. But it's like the one th- something that I haven't really figured out yet is back in episode 17 nope it was actually in episode 18 uh the one we're talking about now soji says something he says beauty alone will not get us the rose bride so -hmm. what he's talking about is like taking advantage of basically like the younger boy uh suibuki Mm -hmm. um in the situation and to get whatever he can to make mamiya the new well the new rose bride 
Um, so it's like, it's like the series has gotten darker, um, to the point where that line is said, we have all of these scenes down the elevator. You have these, apparently all of these guys that died down there. Oh, I don't don't want to assume just guys, but so far it seems like it's been dueling men, uh, or something Mm -hmm. who died down there. And that somehow, some way, all of this power gets transferred into the character. So at first, what I thought was happening was that the old spirits of these duelists or something were being transported through the ro- like the Black Rose Ring into mm-hmm. whatever characters we're talking about. And then they're just taking a sword. Although now it's more clear that when they pull the sword out of somebody... Um, they're gaining that person's skills. Um, but at the same time, they're not acting in the right mind. Like they always have a different look in their eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's almost like they're being controlled. And it, and I, and it, I thought they were like possibly possessed by the spirit of these people down in the elevator or something. Because it, the connection there between, you know, when they lose and the coffin goes like out and into <laughs> the flames. It just seems like, well, that's another dud. And I, I thought that's what was happening, was these like skills were being transferred over. But really, it's the swords that are being pulled out of the chest of the other people because the swords are identical, right? So when right. Suibuki does that, he actually takes two swords out of Nanami. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's like, oh, okay, right. And then the fighting stance is similar. So uh, I, I don't know if it's a mix of things going on, but it's like these people obviously aren't in their right mind. Um, and then it also leads to basically assault. <laughs> so, uh, I yeah. believe kind of how the, the mechanisms that we're seeing here is the swords are the abilities of the person that they took the sword out of. So that's why like Shiori can fight using juries fighting style since Shiori is not a fencer at all. Right. Um, and that's the power to take that out. And this sort of new malice and like, evil outlook is from the corruption Mm. from the black ring which is these were people that died that had original rose seal rings that after they've died it has turned black so i feel like Ah, okay it's just their desires for revenge or for whatever happened that hasn't become clear yet to us yep but it's just adding on to the person's already damaged psyche to Give them that last boost over to cross the threshold and then have the ability to take out the swords and take on the abilities of the person they they stole it from. At least that's what I'm thinking. And then, of course, when the duelist loses, well, now they don't have the... the, Clearly, they don't have the power to do it, so Mm -hmm. no more of that person that's in the the coffin anymore. And that's just how I'm picking up on it anyway. I could be entirely off, but... Yeah. Yeah, it uh it's a super interesting concepts. Um, oh yeah. To be pulling abilities out of someone's chest by a sword. So like with Anthe and everything it just became like the normal and it was consensual. Whereas mm-hmm. with this it's completely different. People are just like literally ripping these things out of people. Yeah. So. Um the Black Rose arc for all this sort of thing, it just gives me a lot of heavy Sailor Moon vibes. Specifically, I mean like yes, I know that a lot of people including Ikuhara worked on Sailor Moon before, so there's bleeding over of these things, but like a lot of the episodes are okay, well we got to go get we're looking for a thing and it's probably held in somebody's hearts or their dreams or whatever. So we're going to find a new character or a previously explored character 
and we're going to shoot something through them to try and rip the thing out of their their hearts or their their dreams and then the loss of that corrupts them into being a monster that then the the sailor guardians have to fight so it's it kind of gives that same monster of the weak feel but lets us more deeply explore characters than what sailor moon does um gotcha it's interesting yeah and this episode also ends on one of those like emotional moments where you know subuki he loses um the Mm -hmm. duel and the vibe at the end is that he became an adult in some way um i think was it nanami blushed or something looking at him right i think and yeah and he's not falling for the teasing of the purple-haired girl anymore right so he matured in some way Mm -hmm. so apparently all you have to do is pull swords out of somebody well (laughs) i'm sure there are i'm sure there are healthier ways to do it but this is how it worked for them i guess hey um That's what that elevator well, is for, is to help you with your problems. Yep, exactly. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into two more episodes, the sort of two-parter uh, thing. So uh, we will be right back. Okay, we are back, jumping into our next set of episodes, uh, starting with episode 19, The Song of the Fallen Kingdom, which aired August 6, 1997. Jared, what happened here? It's all about Wakaba. Oh, yeah. Wakaba City. <laughs> Wakaba City. When Wakaba was little, she had a friend who protected her from bullies. Now, Tasia is transferred back to the school, and it appears that the two of them are in love. When it turns out that this romance is actually a misunderstanding, Tatsuya ends up at the Mikage Seminar. That's where the elevator is for anyone who doesn't Mm -hmm. know. But Mikage treats him differently from other students who visit. This episode was storyboarded by Takuya Igarashi, who uh, worked on things like Bungo Stray Dogs, Cutie Honey Flash, Darker Than Black, Eureka 7AO, Oranai Host Club, and Sailor Moon. Uh, Directed by Toru Takahashi, who worked on Evangelion and Death Note. Uh, It was also written by Takuya Igarashi, the same guy who storyboarded it. And animation supervised by Masahiro Aizawa, who worked on Digimon Movies 1 and 4, Aero Proxy, Hell Girl, Woman Called Fujiko Mine, and Gundam Gundam 0083 and 08MS Team. Mm. And here we get some director's commentary for our first Wakaba episode with her and her onion prince. Why is it that the path he must take does not lie here? In any other show, a character like him probably would have been designed to gain the audience's sympathy. However, this is revolutionary girl Utena and the Black Rose arc, no less. Anyone to open the door must be baptized. There are many things in this world that don't go the way you want them to, but even so, the Onion Girl is trying to be someone special. She's fighting. Isn't that exactly the story that the Black Rose Arc is trying to tell? That's why there's no path here for the boy who's decided to just pray for her happiness from the sidelines. In most cases, the things that don't go the way you want them to have been decided by a system. How should we fight when we're up against a great power, one difficult to oppose? That's why there's no path here for the boy who's quit opposing it and decided to just pray for her happiness from the sidelines. Great. Uh, actually, very on point this time, Yukihara. Good job. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> not too many strange references. Not too, uh, mm-hmm. too many things about the crumbling of love. Nope. Uh, we've got a Wakaba-centric episode, which is nice. This girl's probably been in, like, I don't know, five, six episodes of this series so far. Yeah. And uh, we get some of her backstory that she also had a boy that she liked who left school, but now he's transferred back, just like Shiori did. Interesting. Yeah, and <laughs> I feel like uh, this episode, I, I wrote it that it's a fake-out Kokuhaku episode. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, as a two-parter, 
it, it really doesn't link until like the very end of this episode going into the mm-hmm. next. So, but what I think what it did is it, it, it established Wakaba with a lot more character than I think we've seen in the past. Every time in the past, she was just like super bubbly and all over Utena as a friend. Possibly, I thought that maybe she had a thing for Utena. I kind of forgot about episode one with the um, the love letter stuff and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> until you reminded me and I was like, oh, oh, right. And I looked back at my notes and it just says, Wakaba has a crush. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyways, 19 episodes later. Or no, yeah, 18 episodes later. Uh, <laughs> right. But, you know, I thought it... I thought there was some, like, kind of cute stuff in this episode where, um, you know, Wakaba is like, wait, Wakaba has a prince? What? What is this? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this character is going to be really serious. And it, maybe she had some similar experiences to Atena. But no, it's more just like she was picked on because her hair kind of looked like an onion um, <laughs> when she was a kid. Her head did. And um, so she had the onion prince to protect her. Um, moved away, came back. So uh, through these misunderstandings of confessions and kokuhaku and telling, you know, the, each other's love, um, it turns out, right, that Tatsuya, who that's the name of the Onion Prince kid, Tatsuya, right, has an actual crush on Wakaba. And there was that epic scene. I really liked the scene where the tree and like the, the, the whole sky was like an orangish pink. It was just a really well done scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, where... He confesses, and she's like, oh, yeah, I actually have a big crush, too. And it's on some other boy, and I need to go tell him. And he's like, yes, go and tell. Wait, what? (laughs) He's just left alone because she just ditched him. Uh, It's so good. And and, and me, with, like, my my mind, right, I completely forgot about her crush in the past um, Mm -hmm. on Sayonji. And for a while, like I said a moment ago, I thought maybe she had something for Utena uh, beyond (laughs) just a a possible friendship. And I'm like, wait, but maybe she actually likes this guy, uh, Tatsuya. But but yeah, no. Um, Of course, she... Well, actually, I don't want to. I don't want to skip past this epic moment of the elevator. Right. Uh, yes. Let's talk about that before we move on. Oh man. Yeah, I can't believe we almost, I almost forgot. Uh, so the elevator. He's scene distraught. Happens. He's yeah. distraught, and he's go. He goes to the place where people say, "When you are having a tough time, he, you can come here and talk about your problems." Yeah, he literally walked like ten feet down the hill from where the tree was in the Kokuhaku. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he just happens to find the door to the interview rooms or whatever they are. He finds the elevator and he's going down it. And like this kid is freaking out. I thought I was like, oh, man, something's going to happen. And I was like, who is he going to get a sword from Wakaba? That doesn't make any sense because she doesn't have the skills. So is he going to like, is he going to get a sword from Utena? What's going to mm-hmm. happen? I, I yeah, But yeah, no, um, <laughs> it goes like... I feel like the elevator stopped and then it continued and then it like it stopped again or something. And then and it started going up <laughs> instead of going down. Yeah. The butterfly on the wall didn't start reverting. It just stayed a butterfly the whole time. Yeah. And Soji just like shows up in the elevator, whatever floor, or wherever they were. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, what's up, dude? Thanks for talking to me about your problems, but you're not going to go through with this. I forget exactly what he said. 
Right. It's basically coming down to I. you're not going to serve any use for me here, and you're too nice. Like, I can't exploit the evil in your heart <laughs> because you're too nice. You're only praying for uh, Wakaba's happiness. That's not going to work out here. Yeah, you're just a poor boy who had a bad Kokuhaku experience. So sorry. <laughs> Go find someone else to Kokuhaku to. <laughs> um, so that was interesting that that happened. Yeah. Um, but not as interesting as Wakaba, who is like on this emotional high of, I need to go confess my feelings. She goes back to her own room and I'm like, wait, what is going on? And then decked out in like jeans and a t-shirt on the floor is Sionji. And she's just like, okay, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) And locks the door. Or I think that might've been the start of the next episode. It's like, wait, how is that? What? Right? So <laughs> last time we saw Sayonji, he was like expelled from school. And what's his name? Was it Toga? Like took that diary and like ripped it in half Threw or it burned it or something? Oh my yep. God. <laughs> so, so we're jumping into episode 20, Wakaba Flourishing, uh, aired August 13th, 1997. Uh, Jared, give us the synopsis on this one. So it turns out that Sionji has been staying in Wakaba's room ever since he was expelled. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sionji treats her uncharacteristically well, and Wakaba is elated at having Sionji all to herself. Mikage and Anthe conspire to reverse Sionji's expulsion and stoke frustration at Wakaba. Fearing she will never be special, Wakaba is tearfully driven to the Mikage seminar. Uh, this episode was storyboarded by Mamoru Hosoda, directed by Katsushi Sakurabi. I guess we should say Mamoru Hosoda. We've talked about him a bunch before, but like big, big important dude. Um, Wolf Children, Summer Wars, uh, Mirai, just a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff. Uh, directed by Katsushi uh, Sakurabi, who uh, worked on uh, Aori Aoshi, Appleseed Ova, uh, Certain Magical Index, blah, blah, blah. Written by Ryoe Tsukimura, Cowboy Bebop, Escaflone. Um, animation supervised by Nobuyuki Takeuchi, who worked also worked on Aori Aoshi. Uh, Bakemonogatari, the 90s Berserk series. Uh, the Cat Returns, Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away. So clearly he got some work uh, at uh, Ghibli from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Director commentary from Yukuhara is love isn't a word that describes a fair relationship. Love is a word that describes a monopoly. That's why we refer to the ego as love. That's why love is by no means eternal, because after all, if the ego went on eternally, we would break down emotionally. And yet, she would not learn until much later that love is precisely that which can be lost. Uh, As a note, uh, the Japanese word for love is I, uh, which sounds like the English word I, as in me, this is a bit of a play on words, tying love to the ego. Jared, I know that I interrupted you were in the middle of talking about, of just easily moving over into this episode, but uh, where what were we talking about? Oh, you know, just everything about love. Love, life, and relationships. <laughs> oh, of course. That's a, that's a phrase I've been saying for years now. Um, I've got friends locally who know that phrase well, because I used to say it all the time as, self, as a self-deprecating humor. <laughs> <laughs> Sayonji is just hanging out in this room and living there. And I'm trying to like think about the director commentary you just gave and it relates to this episode that love is not a that love isn't a word that describes a fair relationship because yeah this wasn't very fair at all 
But like in reality, I mean, a good love is very different from what the director is talking about. <laughs> yes, of course. So I'm like, what? The, again, who hurt you? <laughs> Why? <laughs> You've been so hurt. Like, I'd love to just know, like, is this is this person married now, or you just <laughs> is really he okay? You know, are, are all of your things you've ever done just sad? <laughs> but, I mean, if anything, the first thing I noticed is that Sayonji is completely different. Like, I called him comical Sayonji, and that he's very different from his abusive Sayonji. So, apparently, right. you know, he's abusive to Anthony, you know, always slapping her and taking advantage of her and, and etc. But with Wakaba, he's just like, yo, thanks for letting me stay here. I know I've been here for, like, I don't know how much time's gone by, but a month? More than that? You know, right? It's just kind of weird, but <laughs> um, but what happens though is that Wakaba starts to change, and Utena like notices it. Like, there's a whole montage scene. That I think it was really done well. That Wakaba is like more mature. Um, she's glowing, right? She's like, mm-hmm. she's on cloud nine. She's feeling that love high. So, because I wanted to talk about. Sionji, who is a real piece of crap <laughs> the entire first arc. And then now we come back to him and he is at the bottom of the totem pole and he is not slapping anybody. He's actually being very, very nice to Wakaba and smiling. And I'm just like, oh, you were a sweet boy. You were just in a bad situation and you got in with the wrong crew. Oh, no. And like she leaves him 500 yen to for food mm-hmm. and she comes back. He didn't spend it on food. He bought a... Um, woodworking kit and he's to pay her back is making this uh hairpin to look like a a golden leaf and then he eventually buys you know gold paint to paint it and it's like oh finally she's happy and he's gonna be okay and everything's gonna be great and then it doesn't work out that way nope because soji shows up (laughs) soji shows up to you know say hey you've got something that we want and if you help us out we'll get you back into school um and at the same time, Wakaba is coming home, and she crosses Anthe's path, and Anthe is walking home with that gold leaf hairpin in her hair. Oh, man. Uh, that was, like, devastating. Had, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, we had the lead-up, too, of, like, them having a conversation, Sionji and, and Wakaba, and uh, he decides that he's going to ask the question, how is Anthe doing? Uh, he just thought it would be best to ask, you know, you know, he's, he's curious because, you know, he, they have a history and that started to set Wakaba back because she is extremely jealous that this, this perfect relationship she has is starting to crumble because it turns out that he actually doesn't really have those feelings for her. He's just being kind, uh, thanks to her kindness. And he's really still stuck on Anthe. Uh, and then seeing her with that hairpin, ooh man, Waka the snaps. <laughs> she snaps hard. Yeah, uh, when when he asked her that question for how Anthony's doing, she just like sat mm-hmm. there and stared. I was like, uh oh, yeah. uh oh, there's something wrong. <laughs> and then later, where like she just, oh man, yeah, she snapped seeing the hairpin it was an amazing (laughs) moment um right i mean even for us as the audience because we see her walking down and it's beautiful sunset she's smiling and then just in comes the frame of anthe with the hairpin on Mm -hmm. and we know what that means (laughs) oh gosh it crushes me every time wakaba is you know breaking and unfortunately she decides to go down the elevator of doom elevator Um, of doom that that happens and we cut to like. Can Sion- I? 
Go ahead. Can I bring up one thing? She gets to the bottom of the elevator, and whereas everybody else we've seen when they get to the bottom, they're, like, horrified about what happens before, like, Mamiya stabs them with the rose or whatever. She gets to the bottom, the door opens, and she just has this angry, determined stare. Like, this is where I wanted to be, and you guys are going to help me out. And it's like, whoa, this is so different than everybody else who's come down this elevator. Yeah, we've had a lot of people get scared or they're asking, like, what is this? What is happening down here? And she's just like, I'm ready. She, like, just jumps in the <laughs> coffin. She's got, like, flames licking her hair. She, uh, she's like, I'm ready for this. Rips the Give ring. Give ring. She gives, she's put that ring right on. And it cuts to uh, uh, Sionji is, like, packing up his stuff in the room. And he's like, well, it's time to get out of here. Can't stay here forever. Ha ha. Kind of like I used you type of thing in a way. Um, that's the vibe I got that he wasn't really. I think he was just on cloud nine that that's all it took was a conversation with uh, Soji. And he's going to be back in school and everything's going to go back to the way it was. And he's just very happy. Yeah. But then we got... One of those uh, really interesting moments. Um, <laughs> Wakaba, she's she's just there, right? And, mm-hmm. and it was kind of weird because Sionji was like, I was wondering who it was. It's like, well, who else would be in there? I mean, right. typically it's Wakaba. Well, Sionji showed up before. Or not wow. Sionji, uh, Soji showed up randomly. So oh, yeah, he just, he just you know, he can just like phase through walls. It doesn't matter when you're in the <laughs> Black Rose Club. Um, but no, Wakaba, and she's just, she's like, yo, I, I'm pissed. And she like darts for him, like, totally quickly it was such a fast moment and she like rips the sword out of him it was done really well and you were saying something like the first time you saw that it scared you because it was such i a- jumped <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i was like whoa <laughs> i was not expecting that to happen or how fast it happened just like and it's so it was so aggressive and <laughs> it was just yep. yeah it took me by surprise yeah so i was thinking about this a lot when we were having our conversation about like is this consensual when these characters are mm-hmm. ripping swords out of people no well this di- this happened <laughs> um <laughs> and it was fueled even more by like jealousy and hatred towards anthe right which is the uh, ultimate goal of soji and mamia which is to have a duelist defeat utanas and kill anthe and right. so far, Wakaba has the most determination to kill Anthe. Which made the duel very interesting. Um, because they're up there, and they are going to start that duel. You know, Utena gets up there, and she's like, wait, I can't fight you. You're, like, my best friend. Mm-hmm. I literally cannot fight you. Uh, and, you know, for the first time, even... Okay, so even though she has had duels with people she kind of considers her friends like mickey um Mm -hmm. and a few other people this is this was different she's like i can't do it so she doesn't like she just starts to like move out of the way and try to protect anthe um there was some cool like animation shots of like um you know wakaba with was it uh Sionji's sword like slashing mm-hmm. through the air and hitting um like cutting some hair off of Utena that was really neat. Um, yeah. There were some really cool moments in this. And yeah, she uh Utena refuses to take the sword. Uh Anthe is very insistent, which is something that we don't normally see. She's usually very passive, but she was ordering Utena to take the sword and to to fight her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um and Utena, of course, refused and decided that she was going to save Wakaba, not defeat her, but save her, and managed to 
wrestle Sionji's sword out of her hand and use that to cut her rose. So we have Ushina not using the sword of Dios and not calling upon this princely power that descends from the castle. It was all on her own, her own desire to to save her best friend, which I think was a pretty powerful way to end this duel, this like, you know, very personal fight out of all of them so far. Yeah, and one thing we haven't talked about was the settings of the duels again. I mean you had you had one mm. of the, the, the episode with the blonde haired kid, uh, Subuki, like, you know, there was the, the desks, like there's desks all over the place and they move around like his had chocolate set out on them. And then you had another one where it was like the birds. Um, mm-hmm. That was Jury's episode we talked about tonight. Uh, then you also have this one um, with the different colored hairpins and stuff. I thought yeah. that was like kind of neat. Uh, I know we didn't even talk about some of those elements because they kind of pass by quickly. Um, right. But the hairpiece was really important for this episode. But yeah, uh, that was really neat. And, and, you know, it was unexpected of Wakaba to steal that sword out of Sionji quickly. I felt like it was unexpected for uh, Utena to grab the sword from Wakaba uh, fairly quickly. It was kind of hard to tell what was going to happen. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. these moments where like, Utena's up in the air and then strikes from above. Utena like lands with a sword and then strikes forward as she lunges and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I was getting a little not like necessarily repetitive, but it's like oh, okay, what could you do now? And then this yeah. time was neat just to like she's it's almost like she was like holding Wakaba's hand like in a tight grip and then very quickly just grabs that sword. I, I kind of missed it because it happened so fast and then slashes her. I'm like oh man, yeah, that was fast. So. It was, it's this thing, like I had brought up before, that um, something that uh, Ikuhara and other people who worked on Sailor Moon did a lot was using bank animation, you know, to save money and also just to um, each episode, uh, you have a person use their power and then, oh, Sailor Moon, attack now. And she does the same attack she does every episode to defeat the guy. But you take notice when it's the thing you've seen a thousand times and something is different now and you're like this is important or it's really got my attention. And I think having those repetitive end of duels um, was, yeah, starting to grate on me. And then this is the one that we changed things up. And I really, really like that. I mean, it's kind of making parts suffer in order to make other parts of the show really shine. But I think it's really effective. And it's something of his, uh, one of his trademark things that I really enjoy. Yeah, there's been a lot of really great animation and uh, keyframes and a lot of things that have been standing out lately. So Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell, I mean, right when we started watching these episodes again tonight, uh, I was making those comments to you that like you know so many new backgrounds that were painted um yeah for all of these episodes whereas i felt like a lot of it in the first arc were kind of reused um so mm-hmm. it's been really cool seeing so much new stuff yeah absolutely i think we also have to keep in mind you know not necessarily <laughs> because of the criticism that there's a lot of reused backgrounds and stuff through that first arc this is the first thing that ikuhara and his production company made after deciding to start their thing they you know of course worked at Toei and other places before, but now they've started Bee Papas, which is the the production that made Utena. So, hmm. you know, this is their first time doing things on their own. I'm sure Cash is strapped, but they have a vision that they want to do, and they're going to make it happen one way or another, much like 
you know, we brought it up before, but Evangelion, which uses a lot of um, using the same animations and, and changing the background or changing what other character is there. We're using stuff from previous episodes. Um, so that way you could save your money for the money shots, the big stuff uh, that's really important. Um, it's a lot of very smart um, managing techniques, I think, uh, which uh, makes the show shine even more of like we we worked with what we had and we made something special, which is a hard thing to do. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, these episodes were, I would say, you know, pretty good. We have, you know, we left off on episode 20 with basically Sionji coming back to the school. Like he right. got what he wants and uh, we got some quick voiceover from, I believe, Soji saying something like, oh, we could get rid of him, but, uh, you know, we'll just keep him around because... For laughs. For laughs, because he's just a laughable character. (laughs) There's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that try to, like, paint Sionji as, like, a sad... Pathetic, sad character, <laughs> but he's mm-hmm. just a, he's just a dick to me. So like like I don't think I, I I'll never really like him. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they've done a good job of kind of giving him a more complex character than that, but yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting how we take these characters like Sionji, who we introduce as just a an abuser, <laughs> and it's like all right, well, let's try and show another side to them. I mean, like mm-hmm. I don't know, it comes makes it a larger conversation of like how at what point do we forgive past things and um you know move forward if we're trying to better ourselves but i don't know it's hard for me because when i see this episode i'm like no sionji you're trying so hard you're not hitting anybody and you're being sweet it's tough i don't know i have complicated feelings with sionji yeah uh so i mean how many more episodes did you say were in this arc we have three more episodes of the Black Rose arc. Um, oh, see, that's, that's... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say three? I meant four. My bad. Four. Four oh. more to go. See, that's wild to me because I, I keep on thinking of how many episodes we've done and how many bodies there are down there in mm-hmm. the uh, the elevator of doom. Um, so I don't understand why there aren't like 95 more episodes of the Black Rose arc. <laughs> but that's well, just... Part of the fun. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fire down there, so maybe everything catches on fire, and they can't hide down there anymore. They're going to have to go hang out with the student council way up high. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it is interesting, like, the Black Rose people um, with, let's see, Soji making comments to Sionji, like, oh, I'm worried about the school. I'm worried mm-hmm. about this. It's like, there's something just, something's just so weird about this school. Um, and like yeah, the different organizations, like I just, I just don't get it. It's like so, it is so. There, there's some problems, but you know <laughs> yeah, <what>? there's some <laughs> there's some administrative issues here. I don't know. What's the director's name? Is it Ikuhara? Yes. So if Iku, if you, Ikuhara might have had some weird school experiences too, <laughs> uh, love experiences, school experiences. But let's see here. Predictions, right? Choo choo, right. end of the world. Choo Choo is still a mystery. Choo Choo is a mystery, and we haven't heard from End of the World for a number of episodes. Right, which, that's interesting. I still don't understand mm. if it's um, Akio, who is was End of World, or if it was something mm. else. Um, the Puppetry Girls, I my newest theory with the Puppetry Girls is that it's in uh, Utena's head. All in Utena's head. Yeah, because now she's talking to those characters. She's always delivering like the last line, like the girl who's buying tires at the tire store and she's excited oh to make God. food for the person that she loves and just Utena, can you even eat those <laughs> like, i love that it's in just like a little shopping bag of small tires wearing like three 
pairs of underwear or something, and she's like, just take them off. <laughs> three um, pairs, yeah, three pairs of woolen underwear. Her her deep dark secret. Uh, let's see. End of the world. Sending letters like the Dead Sea Scrolls to predict events. Yes, you know that one. We're just gonna leave because who knows? I, right. I feel like I obviously End of the World's gonna come back. We only thing we've heard about them in like the this Black Rose arc was that either all of these roses or one of them came from wherever End of the World is. Mm. Um, that was interesting. Let's see, Mickey dismantling the student council. Uh I don't think so anymore. I th- I got excited thinking that Mickey was gonna become like best friends with everybody, but mm-hmm. sounds like at this point Mickey's just gonna hang out. Um, yeah, exactly. And also, they're all kind of getting along now. You know, they've all had swords pulled out oh. of them. They've got their Jeez. emotional catharsises. <laughs> if anything, we all need group therapy in this series now and not just individual elevator of doom um toga Mm. being manipulated i think we knew that he was to some degree but um he's gonna come back in some fashion i don't know what but right he's he's still out down for the count from his loss oh it'd be great to see like toga be just like pissed and fight I don't even know who. Not even like Akio, but but maybe Akio or like have like a nice duel or a battle with um maybe with Soji. Something. Mm. That would be cool to see like a character come back even though I didn't like him either. He's they they he's right. he's written really well to be terrible too. But I'd like to see him come back and do something. Uh, yeah. And Akio brainwashing Anthe Anthony related to the prince. She engaged to him. All of that is still up in the air. Yep. The only thing we really had with Akio these episodes is uh, Utena coming to him for advice while she does weird back stretches. <laughs> Which was <laughs> yes, great. And, and no no weird repetitive moments of Anthony going to him and taking off her glasses. That was right. missing in these, but presumably still only, happening. Yeah, there's only one time when we see that uh, Utena is visiting Akio again, uh, and Anthe is there with her. Uh, so yeah. they have not had any interactions, really. Oh, man. But there's so much more to to see, to, to understand. Uh, and I'm excited to get there. I think I want to pitch something to you, Jared. We've oh, got yeah. four episodes left of this arc. I kind of want to do another four episodes again next week, or next time we do this. Sure. I mean, it makes sense to finish off the arc if we're that close. Right. And then we'll try and do less because these episodes get a little long and it's a it's all of our night to sit and watch four episodes of anime and then talk about it for an hour and a half that's right so thank you to everybody for listening um we're still rocking and rolling through the black rose arc we have a lot more to go yeah i hope you're watching along with us i think that makes it uh for a lot of fun Mm. and uh if you decide to watch the show again down the road come back and check out the podcast again see if there's little fun things uh, that you didn't notice that maybe we did or maybe there's something that uh we didn't notice and you want to tell us about i'm i'll set up some way for you to reach out to us anyway you can always of course reach out to us personally um you can hit me up at saber underscore breaker uh on twitter uh jared what about you you can find me over at hot anime vlogger on a bunch of different platforms uh we you know we haven't really come up with like a twitter name for this beautiful podcast (laughs) i mean (laughs) It's been a strange production, I'll say that. My Dragon Ball one I do every other week, and we put that those out every other week. Mm. This 
we've just been watching the show and recording and we I haven't done any editing at all. And I know that right. we're like seven episodes but deep. I'm sorry. I'm just so busy. We are the well, this is going to be like the Netflix release where people can just binge. So it's I I, I, I it's a beautiful time and people could just binge through and hear us talking about our lives for a few months. And right. uh, you know, uh it's like we're discussing how it's like holiday season and Spider Man's coming out. Um <laughs> hope everyone has we're a really great dating it. Yes, we're really dating it in time, but it's the beauty of everything. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone has a great holiday season, and maybe we'll get a Christmas episode out of Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant. That would be great. <laughs> I love anime right? Christmas episodes. So <laughs> there needs to be more. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Well, uh, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the show, even if it's over. I don't know. Maybe we'll come back to it at some point. Who knows? Mm. Um tell your friends post a review it super helps us out um and yeah take care and we'll do more Utena next time later happy holidays theme song Zettai Unmei Moko Shiroku provided by Astrophysics you can find their music on Bandcamp and YouTube or follow them on Twitter at Astrosynth